Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing Grace. I hope this is going to work. Um, we're just doing a quick test of our sound. I was having trouble before with audio, so I don't know if the audio is working. I'm going to test one thing here. Oops. Yep, there it is. It's working. Good. Oops. Okay, so it is working, and I'm glad. So, good morning, everyone. It's been away for a couple of weeks. Uh, that's why I'm out of sync remembering what I got to do to go live and how to get the intro working and all that fun stuff. Anyway, it's good to be back with you. I had some needed vacation time, um, and it was really good. We went to Nova Scotia, spent some time there. It was uh, very nice and relaxing and uh, a good way to de deflate, if I can use that word. Um, even though I inflated with uh, the delights of uh, seafood, <laughs> it was great. Oh, man. So today, uh, I've got a great... Um, conversation to share with you that I recorded uh, just recently <clears throat> and I, I hope it'll make sense and we might do a, a couple weeks of this because it's easy to forget um, some of the stages or steps or growth spurts we've had uh, in our spiritual journey um, I remember 20 years ago when I 25 years ago when I read a couple books that began uh, or kicked off the transformation of some thinking and revisiting and questioning faith. And today we've got this term called deconstruction. And yet it's like, okay, I've been doing this for 25 years. So, so what's so new about this? <coughs> and I think um, what we have to remember for those that are uh, enjoying the journey of a deeper and more exciting or more hope-filled perspective on their faith, um, we need to remember where we've come from. Um, there are some steps along the way that were pretty significant and groundbreaking, and people may have unfriended you back then uh, for your shifts, and today you don't realize, oh my goodness, that that all of those steps contributed to where I am at today. So the discussion today is going to be a little bit about revisiting some of those things that we, we probably shouldn't forget because somebody around us or somebody connected to us is having a hard time with questioning their faith and probably need to hear your story or hear about some of these categories we just don't talk about so much anymore because, oh, we're over that or that's way back or, man, that's that's like early days. Well, yes, it's still important. Why do you think there are so many reminders in the scriptures to not forget your faith, not forget, especially in Peter, don't forget you're forgiven. I think it was in first Peter two or second Peter one. I forget which one, but it, there's so much about don't forget. So that's why we're going to have these conversations because I don't want to forget. I want to encourage folks at all stages of life uh, and not to say I've arrived at a place you haven't. I'm, we're not saying that. We're saying that each of us is exposed to different life situations, faith traditions, and we need to learn from each other. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. I'm going to switch to it right now. Here we go.
All right. Welcome to Still Growing Grace. Uh, thank you for joining me, Bill and Richard. This is going to be a different kind of fun one. Mind you, they all are different and kind of fun because sometimes it's just off the cuff. Um, but we just had we had just spent some time chatting through and catching up on what we've been doing this summer and where we're at. And something came up in the conversation and I thought, let's talk about that today. And that is, uh, let's talk about the grace we have forgotten about or the first stages of grace. And I'll tell you what I mean. Um, a number of years ago, um, I did not know I was even forgiven. And I was a pastor at this time. Like I had no clue. And then I read this book by Bob George, <laughs> Classic Christianity. You guys remember that one? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I read that I read that book. It's the first time that I found out I was actually forgiven. And it's like, what? And that began that just began the whole tidal wave of a better, more hopeful perspective of the message of God. Um, the gospel was challenged to me. Um, so, but there were a number of things that I had to unlearn then. I've got a small list in my head, but I want us to banter through what were some of those exciting topics that we have forgotten about that people have never heard about yet, because they're still the early stages of moving from a, a really religious background, really church background, have never really touched into old covenant, new covenant, you know, what yeah. is Sarks and all that stuff, right? Like, I thought, let's, let's kind of talk about the ones that got us excited, and maybe it'll resonate with somebody listening say yeah I, I, that one i remember or they never heard of this before and that may be the stumbling block that may open up a new journey of grace for them because nobody's taught them about that so does that make sense to you guys yeah well, and you just hit you just hit on one i think that i was kind of already bouncing through was just the idea of old covenant new covenant and What's how that? that's, yeah that's not really taught and 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 you know to some degree i mean we, we use the terminology, but nobody really is clarifying those topics for the average person in a, in a you know, church pew or church chair, whatever they have nowadays, you know, but that there's these two distinct, very delineated covenants, promises, guarantees, whatever you want to call them, that, that the Bible kind of has and, and everything inside the Bible kind of compartmentalizes into one or the other. And the first one is written to a very specific group of people in a very specific time frame called the Jewish people. And they had a law and they had this basically conditionalized uh, structure of if you do these things, these will be your blessings and you'll be a chosen people and you'll you'll get favor. So do this, get this. And that's called generally in Christianity, we call that the old covenant. And that's how God used that system to point to something bigger than that covenant. At least that's the way I, I interpret it as a Christian. That covenant, and this may sound a little different, was, was from God, but not of God, hmm. right? It was from God in that he used something we needed collectively in our ancient understandings of God that was misunderstanding about God, but he used our collective misunderstandings allowed us to live inside of this framework of law so that it can point to his clearest revelation of himself, which is Jesus. And in that moment in time, it closes the book on the old covenant law and, uh, and conditional blessing kind of paradigm and opens the book on a new way of interpreting all things, which is grace. Hmm. And that, we don't have to live under this old system of understanding who God is and 
kind of how he keeps accounts and records of right and wrong. Now we get to live in a new way of seeing God as a loving father who's looking to restore and, and redeem creation. Mm. Richard, what have you seen on that topic? Like covenant was, was that a big deal for you? No, I, I mean, <laughs> no. I go back, no, no. I mean, that became more of a deal for me in, in the middle of my journey. I mean, go. when I could have gone this way versus that way, and, and that is as important a pivot as ever. But for me, I, w- I, I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't really mm-hmm. hear that stuff coming up. The, when, I, when I think back of what uh, Nunes, uh, the new birth, is, I still call it the new birth. I don't care if we call it birth or above. It was new to me. <laughs> and um, something I feel was, um, I remember I looked up the word enthusiasm one time. And it means in theos, in God, is, is what the word means. And yep. so I would say that I, I got an enthusiasm for my life when I came to the Lord that uh, changed my whole energy level. It changed my whole energy output, my whole energy source. And it, it you know, and, and I think back to how happy I was and uh, the joy, you know, just the joy of the Lord. I, you know, a couple of days after I, I prayed to receive the Lord, um, I was traveling down Taylor's Ridge in, in a, a nearby county, and I, y'all, I was driving down that road, and I felt the joy of my salvation. I had this thought: could that, this could be true? You know, I had sort of gone through the motions of the sinner's prayer, you know, but I was in a desperate place at the time, and I was just, you know, talked out, a zombie almost. But then, as I was driving down that road, I just started having something welled up in me that, and I started believing. And um, and started believing in the reality of God and the reality of the spirit and the reality that there is a metaphysical richness to life that I had been pretty much completely blind to. And even though this same enthusiasm has caused me to make every mistake uh, possible, <laughs> you know, within the faith, you know, that it still at its heart was a childlike enthusiasm for me that totally rewired me. Uh, and and gave me the energy to believe, the energy t- to receive uh, more and more from the Lord. And I think that sometimes in the in in the days, you know, in the days as when we're in a different season, we need to revisit, like you, like y'all have been saying, that source and that recognition of that energy and how clean it is and how how childlike it is and how fervent it is. And, um, you know, it's like when our kids are excited when they were little, nothing's more gave me more joy than having the kids really happy and dancing around and doing all that. So t- to me, you know, revisiting our first love, you know, Revelation calls that you've left one thing I have against you, you've left your first love. And uh, which I think is another way of what, you know, what y'all have been talking about. Uh, and I would just say um uh, that, you know, I, I was telling y'all earlier that I've been praying a lot lately in tongues. Well, I got tongues when I was a baby Christian, and uh, I was real excited about it when I got it, and I didn't know anything about supernatural stuff. I wasn't raised in any way that I would believe in the supernatural, but when I got in tongues, that meant a lot to me because I knew I wasn't producing it, and uh, that really, you know, and when you see and read and, or, uh, and learn about how it's there when you don't know how to pray. And I realize the majority of the time I don't know how to pray. So there's, there's this source to tap into. Uh, and I was so excited about it. when I got it, I couldn't do it enough. But then over the years, I kind of waned with it, you know, it came, came and gone. 
And just lately, I've sort of had a revival with it to realize, you know what? Pray without ceasing. And that's one way to do it. And um, and when you do it, you know, it, it's, it lets your emotions get into it. It lets your heart get into it because you're not thinking in words. You know, you're thinking in impulses. You're thinking in, mm-hmm. in good impulses and promptings and goodwill. Uh, and then just praying over situations. So I got excited. I mean, I, I felt like I got back into my childhood with it a little bit, my spiritual childhood. So anyway, so that's kind of, I'm, I'm, y'all know me, I'm real emotional. <laughs> so so <laughs> that's where it made the big difference for me. And and the first man that taught me any of, about that, the first thing I noticed about him that was different than the pastor that I was sitting in the Baptist church with at the time, who was a dear, sweet man. But the the new fellow I met had something different about him. And he talked about God like God was real. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like he had actually met him. <laughs> and that difference just further through the, you know, through the gasoline on my fire. You know, mm. but it's that recognition of the reality of God. I mean, it's so when we're new and when we're young, you know, that's that's there. But then, you know, it, there's always a battle going on to just make it to you know, to make a, uh, to get us in a wagon rut and just slowly let that seep out of us to where we lose recognition and excitement at its presence. Man, I wonder if that's, that's half our problem today where we're so focused on new revelation, new doctrine, new understandings, new to us, that is. And we've forgotten about the first love, the simple love, the simple interactions, just a fun, joyous spirit, living day to day, having a good old time, but we're getting too serious. You know, it's possible. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's a big part of it. I really do. So the covenant part for me that got me was I had grown up believing, okay, the old covenant to me was the Old Testament laws that were given to Moses and you're supposed to follow them. So it was an agreement with the Jews. And here's the the um I think the subtle lie that was being taught is whatever is written there is equal to everything we read in the New Testament, the New Testament message of hope. And so if you don't discuss the covenants, you're going to mix them. And so I see a lot of mixed covenant teaching where they, they mix Old Testament rules and wrath and anger and try to find a way to blend it in using, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. And, oh, the Lord's ways are mysterious. And they just, you know, rattle it off because they don't understand there are two covenants. And yet the one, the second covenant, the new covenant is actually older than the old covenant. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, the, you know? it's the overarching covenant. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. to you know, to begin the story, say we're evil and bad. I think you posted a video on that, uh, a bill, some preacher going on about you know how terrible we are blah 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 i think the baby one that was funny um yeah that was jeff in our group that did that yeah but it was but the reality is you can joke about it but if you believe that you're a rotten person um and you have to get right that changes everything And if your whole belief system is based on that you're gonna have a hard time so when this new old covenant thing came in that to me just like what it really made me stop i was super excited because i was a pastor at the time I'd never heard this before. Why didn't I hear about this before? Yeah. So yeah, that's the new covenant was a big no, one. I think me. that's another, you hit another one of those kind of first, first, like, Oh, grace says this kind of, con, you know, in contradiction to maybe what, again, I did grow up in the church differently than Richard. And I heard my entire life that I was born a sinner. And, you know, I had to, I had to basically, get right with God somehow. And and actually I, I did a teaching yesterday and I actually said this and I wrote something about this yesterday, the difference between simple and simplistic. 
Um, and, and this is kind of how even in my teaching yesterday for the audience I had, I, that's really what I used. I said, you know, the phrase, all you have to do is believe in Jesus to be saved. That's very simplistic. It's a simplistic idea, but it's also very thin and offers no substance whatsoever. <laughs> what type of belief? What does that mean? Does that mean actions? Does that mean just a thought? What, Who decides? Right. Who decides a billion questions, which we have, you know, how many denominations and different variations of, of faith all all might agree around that same statement uh, and then save. OK, what are we being saved from? How are we saved? What is this? It's a simplistic statement, but it's not simple at all. It's in fact, it's it's confusing. It's complicated and confusing. Yet the gospel in its most, I think, beautiful form christ crucified if we just want to leave it there is simple it's remarkably simple but the depth that it brings is infinite um and so the idea that depravity is some sort of thing we are obligated to overcome right it was some contribution was was it, that was another crystallizing moment for me in grace in that i have zero skin in the game so to speak for getting right with God. <laughs> I don't. Jesus did it all. It is finished. And I think the innocent, it is finished part is a huge part of that as well. Like there's nothing I can do to add or subtract from the finished work of the cross. Yeah. That, that phrase is another one. Finished work of the cross is a big phrase in the journey in my early stages of grace. Yep. What other, what other items hit you? Cause I got a list in front of me, but I want to hear what, <laughs> what you guys kind of, what hit you? Because as we already heard, even in the one topic of covenants, we each saw it a little bit differently. You know, we each, it inspired us at a different stage. So mm -hmm. <laughs> what were some of the earlier wake-up calls to a better, deeper grace or more grace or an expansive grace? My, my other one that it's, I, I, I harp on it a lot, but it was, you know, Hebrews 1, 3, that Jesus is the exact representation of Christ, mm -hmm. of, of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. I don't know why in my first 35 years of Christianity, same thing with you being a pastor, I'd never, never been said just so succinctly and clearly. Like, oh, I start with Jesus to understand God. I don't, I don't understand God from the Bible and then try to kind of you know, stretch Jesus into that. And so when I started with Jesus and then I'm like, well, Jesus hung out with a bunch of, you know, you know, roughneck fishermen and tax collectors and, you know, a prostitute did this, and and he he he, he didn't really hang out with the the self righteous. You know, in fact, he's the exact, and that's that's the exact representation of God. It flipped a lot of that on my head, and what I observed, at least religiously speaking, is we kind of did the opposite of what Jesus did, and that didn't really mesh. And so that was at least part of my kind of looking around, going, okay, grace is different because we're doing one thing, but then he did something completely different. That's true. Yep. I, and I didn't hear that part until much later. <laughs> I never caught the character of God in Jesus uh, for the first number of years. I heard all the, uh, walked walked through all these topics. Yeah. Richard, what, what what's one that hit you? Well, um, I think early on, I uh, somehow got bitten in a good way by this idea about uh, defending the character of God. You know, I, uh, I felt so much love. If, if I were to tell you that my, my image of God comes from my experiential knowledge of him alone, 
Mm-hmm. I'm not saying other things don't supplement him, but the things I believe about God, I base on my experiential uh, interaction with him. Um, and I could never see God being an afflictor the way that's taught in church, an afflictor, or a smiter, even though, even though I entered the church, you know, at that point, it's like, it was nothing but good news when I actually believed him, you know, cause it wasn't a sinner. That's not why I came to him. I, I, I came to him. I was heavy laden for sure, but I came to him because I just, you, I was promised life. You know, this was a new form of life. And, um, and then to not be, um, and then almost immediately, though, I started hearing bad things about God. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now that now that you said the magic words, this is what you're looking at, and why you That's have right. to stick with us, you know. And then you hear that he oppresses, he afflicts, he smites, uh, he he heals you one day. You know, it's like a pedal plucker. He loves me, he loves me not. You know, is he going to smash me today? And and then um, um, so and that bothered me because I just. On that one issue, I, listen, I have a lot of incoherency in different aspects of my life, but one place where I've got to insist on coherency is God's goodness, or That's he's right. not good. He's got to be coherently good. That's so right. uh, I was able, thankfully, to use some of my stuff I learned in law school, because I'd already been in out of law school and practicing law before I ever even applied it to any kind of spiritual stuff. But but I also you know, being a lawyer, you recognize word games and you recognize inconsistencies and weaknesses, you know, in the way a presentation's made. And um, I was I was dying. The same church that led me to the Lord was killing me within 12 months because mm-hmm. because of the horrible things it was saying about God. So I, early on, but I didn't have the I didn't have the uh, wattage, the intellectual wattage or the spiritual wattage at that point to come up with an answer for any of this stuff. But I can say that 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 little spark uh, there was something in me that wanted to defend his character. Not that he needs me to defend his character. I need to defend him. All right. Because this is the gospel. This is the name of God we're defending. You know, yeah. when James says, let no man say that God is behind evil or that God tempts or uses evil. That tells me there's something in us that's saying, don't let anyone just say this unrebutted, you know, yeah. defend it. Because if we confuse, if we, if we project garbage, onto the image of God, then people really don't know the God they're, they're entering into covenant with. And um, so that was probably my, I caught the fire and I can go back and look that it, it flamed up probably within five, my first five years as a Christian, my course was set on following that, that idea of God, you know, mm. and I, no matter where it took me, no matter what ter- church it took me away from, no matter what seminary it took me away from, um, that, uh, and I've stayed on, you know, I believe I've, I've stayed on track with that and that's kept me, that's kept my faith vibrant, uh, you know, over all these years, but just, I, I guess finding a, you know, finding your gift, finding your cause early on, every one of us has a special insight, a special angle into God's nature, into his goodness. And not everyone's called to be a, to, you know, outward defender of his character, but we all are called to be imitators and, ex- and, and to express and preach and teach in as much as we can, you know, the, the, the virtues of God. So what those virtues are, everything, everything comes down to what those virtues are. And you don't hear the virtues of God very much preached about or talked about, but that's the whole foundational thing that this is a loving Abba. And we have a spirit of Abba that cries Abba, you know? Um, so my, just, just, um, I think, um, and the people that I've walked, it's like you guys, the people I've walked in the Titus fellowship are people that have that same 
conviction, that same electric sensation that God is good and that that is the light in this room of darkness that we're in. Mm. That light, his character is the light that's going to illuminate this room. So that's where we put our flag in the stand, you know, our, our flag in the sand and say, I'm not I'm not I'm not leaving this. I'm I'm on this hill and right. I'm not going to budge that Jesus is anything other than light and love. And, mm. and um, so I don't know. That is the beginning passion. That was my first love, but it, it's, you know, uh, it's my love now too. And it, it and it's grown and it's expanded, but I, I would, just, if people haven't had the zeal for that, then I, I would uh, hopefully, or they once had it, but they don't have it anymore. Maybe that's something they could go back and pray about and, and um, you know, just have some, some good interaction with the Lord about where's that, that zeal, that good zeal, you know, um, f- for his character. Right. I like that. that. That's that's something we forget about that first love. And again, you coming to Christ, uh, to the revelation of Christ later in life. I, I grew up in the church. To me, just like it sounds like Bill did too. You know, we we have a hard time believing God still saves anybody because, <laughs> you know, really, <laughs> honestly. So when we hear somebody's I know, story, I know. <laughs> when somebody comes to faith later in life, it's like, why wow, God's still doing stuff? That's so cool. You know, like. <laughs> I'm serious. It's really exciting. Like it, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to meet people who come to a faith that have not been um, exposed to a legalistic type of religion. Um, rare to find, and yet I'm finding more and more people. Like maybe half my church, if I can say this, they they don't understand the the vitriol I grew up in and with the Baptist background and and all the heavy handed teaching. They, they, they only heard kind of good news, and it was in the liberal churches. I thought we're going to hell. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just crazy. So, uh, all right. Another topic, I think tied to this, uh, one of the early ones for me was ego, uh, flesh, um, the idea of sarks. So one of the, and maybe that was also the beginning of um, finding out that our translations are flawed. I, I would never have really believed that had I not seen the word flesh uh, improperly translated and pointed out. Because I'm for me, the NIV Bible talks about uh, our sinful nature. Um, and that's the wrong translation completely. It's it's supposed to be Sark's flesh. But I never understood that until it was gently and slowly pointed out, which then gave me permission to question other things, because that in translation is easy to find anywhere. It's all, everything's online now. But for me, the idea of flesh, and I don't have two natures, that was mind-blowing. I didn't yeah. know I had a singular nature. That was one of the really exciting ones. I got a few of them that are really exciting, but this one just was almost equally exciting as the New Covenant. No, I agree. That one's a big one. And that, you know, we have the Spirit of Christ in us, and everyone does. Well, Wait. that took me years and years later. <laughs> I, get, I did not believe that. I still had an us versus them when I learned that truth. Yeah. So I did not understand <laughs> Because that's impossible. That's her- that's heresy. <laughs> to that's think heresy it's <laughs> well, that really ought to be the first thing you learn. I mean, we, I, I mean, if I if I if you ask me what I thought was the most important thing someone needed to recognize right when they came to the Lord, it would be that that the Lord now lives in you, and He lived in you before, but it just, there just was a bushel over it. And but now you recognize that He lives in you, exactly. and that that completes the circuit and allows it to manifest up to it. The time, I know that, you know it's, it's missed. Hold on, the four spiritual laws don't let you talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know what? Now, this is interesting. Uh, somebody put up a question, somebody sent me a question the other day about 
all the solas, you know, the sola scriptura, sola, you know, oh, fight, it's yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you know what was missing from that list was the solo spirit. <laughs> you know, there was no spirit. And, and when you when you hear spirit, think indwelling. You know, that's, that's what I do. And yet everything was a response to Catholicism in that. And I understand that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even saying these things are by themselves bad, but I'm saying that the most important thing, the whole new covenant, everything about it is where the, it's the spirit. We're in the dispensation of the spirit, not the law. It's mm -hmm. the law that's contrasted. It's the spirit that's contrasted with the law. It's not even grace, even though it is the spirit of grace. You know, it's the spirit that the whole, the whole mindset is spirit versus law. But did you, you know, did you did you post just the other day something about um, the 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 Bible enhances the spirit versus the other way around? Was that you who wrote that? Yeah, I, I what I said was that the that the Bible doesn't test us. Uh, I mean, I'm, that the Holy Spirit doesn't test us on Bible knowledge, but that the Bible certainly tests us on Holy Spirit knowledge. That's what I was. That's the post. That that's another huge one. Because yeah. we think the Bible is inerrant. There's no problems with it. Every translation is holy. You can't touch. You can't question it. That's why the Old and New Covenant is all the same, you know, because you can't question that. So to have you say what you just did puts the emphasis on spirit. And what is the word, capital W, word of God? It's Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. And that, yeah. And, and there's another and, one, right? Yeah, there's Jesus, another one. Jesus is the Logos, not the Bible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta write that down. I gotta add that to my little list here. Yep, word. Yeah, and, and, cool. and you know, and you know the way the the reason that appeals to people to say it's the Bible is because um they don't have to then discriminate, and they they've chosen they've object they've objectified Jesus in the in the most horrible way because now we're just dealing with. A uh, written tablet that I can interpret in the way letter, I want. Yeah. yeah, and and to think though, to think though that the 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 pulsating logos, the logos that breathes and moves, and in him we move and have our being, and he operates in us simultaneously and corporately and individually, and all this, you know, that the very essence of what Christianity is has been uh, supplanted by this uh, worship of Scripture. You know, uh, apart from the, without even the spirit being mentioned, I mean, the, the spirit isn't even mentioned in any of that, you know, which, which is, uh, and, and then, and then, you know, you go to Corinthians three, when Paul's talking about, you know, reading that the letter of the law kills reading, that just means reading without the spirit kills while mm -hmm. reading with the spirit gives life. And, um, I I'm telling you our pneumatology, you know, the, the doctrine of the spirit is so, uh, what's the word, um, emaciated uh so malnourished uh because people realize that if, if you focus on the spirit then you immediately become accountable for your heart hearing that god for yourself all right you that that's what this is that we preach accountability in a great way you get to hear god yourself there's no mediator the mediator lives in you there's only one mediator christ jesus and okay. his spirit lives in you and you can hear all things and you know all things and all you don't even have need for a man to teach you. And I'm not saying, you know, y'all know I'm not against teaching, but that's in, that's in the New Testament scripture. It continually points you to the spirit one way or that's the right. other. Well, take a look at the last 500 years where the church and pastors, uh, me included, I'm a pastor. Um, many of my people have 
fed the lie that the pastors are the ones who teach or t- gifted leaders, appointed leaders, the authority and, and interpretation comes from church leadership, not yes. from anyone else. And so to see that wow. unravel um, and see that we listen to the spirit of Christ in us, because sometimes we hear half the stuff we've learned, especially for me, I'm sure you guys all agree. There are topics I probably have on this list. We knew it was true long before we we had a revelation of it. There's something in us. We just knew it, you know, but yeah. we didn't have words for it. We didn't have anything to identify it. But as soon as we heard it, we was, oh, it's not true because I now hear it. It's been true. And now I hear it. Therefore, I know it's true. So the spirit has already confirmed stuff, which is well, super think, exciting. I mean, I grew and, up in a place that the only time you ever talked about mm-hmm. Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost was when you were referencing the Trinity. And even then the Trinity was not, something we ever delved into. It was just kind of this word we used off to the side. And then we'd say God and God meant father. Yeah. We didn't really ever say that out loud, but that's what it meant. So if we're, you know, I can, I would go through entire message series that we talk about God. 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 We mentioned Jesus in the final prayer and then we're done. Spirit was never a part of it. We talk about God. We talk about God. We talk about God. Parenthetical, you know, parenthetical, father or creator or the guy up in the sky that's mad at us we don't talk about god being father son and spirit and in that this shared you know using that weird word that's probably bigger than than the the early parts of grace perichoresis is god that's god yes and you can't separate the spirit or the son or the father from the essence of god that's another moment. It's like, and we're oh, in, and we're wow. in that Trinity, and we're yeah. inside that Trinity, and 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 we're yeah. our source of life comes from that Trinity, and and that you know becoming a, for lack of a better word, a real Trinitarian, <laughs> from you know lip service Trinitarian was a big moment <laughs> for me in the early in the early moments of grace. Wow, you know what? I'm looking at the clock. Time is up, unfortunately. Um, I could go on and on. I got a huge list here. Maybe we can just do one more after like an, uh, another day of, of this. If we feel like it, if that's still exciting, then I, I think there's some, and maybe like this will give you guys some time to think through some of those trigger of excitement revelations. That's what I want to trigger on because I think folks need to hear some simple good news again, because they're, it's getting too complicated with arguments online or wherever. Um, we just forgot about the joy of the Lord. And this is, this is some of the stuff that brought me great joy. And I, I saw it in your face as you shared today, the authentic joy of Christ, you know, and that that's cool. That's what I want to hang out with. I don't want to hang out with prunes, you know, or really dried limes, you know, like, sorry, Uh, I want to be with people that will engage and fuel me and my spirit. And if I can do that to others as well, fantastic. So I just think it's pretty cool. All right. Amen. All right, that's it. We're going to wrap up and uh, we'll see what happens next time. Thanks for watching, everyone. All right, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I think we're going to have a couple more like this. In fact, I'm going to ask a favor for you who actually watched to the end and hear this part. Would you send me a message or an email or whatever of a couple of those topics that hit you? 
what were some of your growth topics of growing grace? Uh, I'm going to do a quick hello to a few people first. So Caroline in the UK watching. Hello, Caroline. I don't think I've seen your name on before. And if I have, I forgot. I've got great memories, just short. Um, but I always love my UK friends because we have a number of uh, our UK people watching. But I forget what time of day it is. I think it's at in the early evening, if I'm not mistaken. But we have um, uh, someone in the UK who watches Sunday mornings because we have a Sunday morning uh, church service that we live stream and it's at uh, 10 55 a.m so it's two hours past now um so if it's late meek. anyway I'm, I'm so glad you watched uh, caroline uh, barb um barb my goodness barb i watched barb get baptized i think it was in atlanta um uh, she was at a, an event and one event that we were actually growing in grace in <laughs> um so i think barb and i uh have some of the same topics that inspired us and changed our hearts and minds and got us all excited and to go back and visit some of these topics is pretty cool I, she sent a note uh, this morning and i just wrote back saying, hey, um, there are many topics that we were excited about in the past. I don't want to forget them. I want to remember what inspired me because even some of the scripture writers, are they talk about, don't forget, remember, remember, remember. Do you remember in the Old Testament, they built these altars or stone pillars whenever God did something wow, really big. Like when they crossed the Red Sea, they, they put a pile of stones to worship and create an altar. And when they, the walls of Jericho came down, they remembered and all these different ways of doing that. We don't do that with our journey of grace. Why not? We need to, I, I think, for our own benefit, to remember where we've come, come, come from. And here's, here's part of my motive for this. Um, I bump into folks today who um, have never been exposed to anything other than traditional evangelical church. And uh, they're just beginning to poke and prod at questions. And they think I'm safe enough to talk to, <laughs> which I, is great. But um, when they bring up topics, it's like, you don't know that yet? What? And uh, I can't do that. I don't say that out loud. But in my head, I'm, I'm thinking, wait, I can't forget where I've come from. Uh, it's not just about encouraging everybody growing along with me or being encouraged by someone else who's in a different direction than I am and, and I need to learn from someone else. But there are others who just haven't seen this revelation yet. And if we can remember what, how we came to our revelation, maybe we'll find better ways to say things. Because for me, some people didn't say things the right way for me to get it. It took a long time for some topics. And they could have reworded it. They could have come at it from a different angle. Now I know that. So I want to come at it through a better angle so people don't have as much of a painful journey. Now, we can't take away people's journeys. I get that. But you know what I'm saying, right? There's some good examples and bad examples of how we understand Old Covenant, New Covenant. There's some helpful ones and unhelpful ones. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed today. Uh, share it with someone else. But do send me the topics that inspired you um, because maybe we'll talk about each one of them. Um, in this program for the next couple of weeks, just, just to remind ourselves, we don't want to forget where we've come from. We can't forget our roots. Uh, and that includes our law roots, our friends who are stuck in legalism and law. We can't stop loving them. It's so easy just to get mad and, and give up and walk away and say, Ugh, I'm so done with that. Um, guess what? Jesus isn't. So... I don't think we are either. 
Anyway, it's just something that hit me just now. All right. I hope you have a great week, and uh, we'll catch you later. I hope the music plays for this next exit thing, because I just found out that <coughs> I had deleted some of my key base uh, audio files for my program. And I'm like, oh, no. So hopefully this works, but otherwise we will catch you next week. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.